Hello, everyone. This is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. I am really excited about our guest today on the program, a longtime friend, uh, just a great brother in the Lord, Brett Nasworth. He's the founder and president of DM2, Disciple Makers Multiplied, a great uh, gospel-centered ministry that's really impacting people, not only in the United States, but around the world. And I'll let him share a little bit more about that uh, here in just a moment. But as always, we just want to thank you for your prayers and support and uh, just encourage you. I hope you're keeping up with our podcast. It's been a busy month uh, here at Not By Works Ministries. Uh, lots of great free resources and free materials out there on the website. So check that out at notbyworks.org notbyworks.org. And as always, if you ever find yourself in the Denver metro area, stop by and see us at Plum Creek Chapel. We're in Sedalia, Colorado, a southern suburb of Denver. And I'd love to have you worship with us on Sundays at 8.30 or 10 o'clock. And of course, if you're not in the Denver metro area, you can always live stream our services. We live stream the 10 o'clock message. So check that out at notbyworks.org. But uh, I'm actually sitting here with my friend uh, Brett. I had the opportunity to come to uh, 3DTC, their uh, school, their missions-centered uh, uh, school, and uh, do some teaching for a week every day. It was it was just wonderful to be with oh what 15 or 20 students or so uh, every day talking about the doctrine of salvation, the clarity of the gospel. Uh, all kinds of important issues related to grace. And uh, so while I was up here, I thought, hey, uh, let's sit down together and just uh, chat a little bit. So, Brett, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the program. Thank you, JB. It's a real pleasure and honor to be with you. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. So I'm trying to think when we first met. You know, it was probably through one of the grace organizations like FGA or one of those. Would that yeah, sound right? It was the FGA back in the early 2000s. So. Yeah. Got to be 20 years ago now, and our paths have crossed multiple times. We've had the chance to share the platform at different conferences, and we served together on the board of that organization way back then. And uh, I've just always appreciated your uh, – you, you do some things that I could never do. I don't feel gifted or called or you know able, frankly, uh, to do international travel and, and share the gospel overseas. But tell us a little bit about – uh, your background. I've had you speak in some of our my churches in the past, and I, I remember hearing some of your stories back when you were with New Tribes Mission. So why don't we start there and tell us about your time on the mission field with them? Well, sure, JB, and it's a, just an honor to be able to address your audience in this way. And so my history, you know, goes back to the um, early 80s. My, my wife and I, we met in Bible college with New Tribes Mission, in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, we were married, went through Missions Institute and Language Institute with New Tribes. And then uh, in 1983, 84, we went to the mission field uh, to Venezuela. And we served in the uh, Amazon jungle hmm. uh, among the Yanomamo people hmm. and were able to learn their language, learn the culture, uh, be able to take the gospel from basically inception onward to, from the ground up with people who who really never have uh, had a chance to hear the gospel before missionaries uh, came and brought the good news of Jesus Christ. Of course, he told us to take the gospel to all the world. And so that was our goal. And uh, so we served uh, with New Tribes Mission for about 17 years. And then 
After that, we um, worked a few more years uh, directly under our church um, through a ministry that we we called Go Ye Ministries. It was just a um, in-house church-based ministry for a couple of years. Then we worked with uh, Good Seed International out of out of our Good Seed Canada, out of um, with uh, John Cross and and those guys. Did some translation work with them, um, and then. Uh, I pastored after that. I was traveling a lot. Didn't want to leave the little guys there with their mom uh, that that much. And so we decided to, hey, let's uh, let's see if God would open the door to pass to the pastorate. And um, we ended up pastoring down in Harlingen, Texas, uh, at uh, Harlingen Bible Church uh, for several years. And then 2010, God led us to go back into missions, Jamie, mm-hmm. and we had the opportunity to work with a couple of ministries. One was uh, a ministry out of Minnesota, Duluth Bible Church. They were doing ministry down in um, uh, El Salvador, and we learned a lot from them on that, as well as um, uh, Chain of Grace Ministries out of uh, Winchester, Virginia. And um, through that, uh, you know, God just led me to uh, train leaders in the majority world. It's uh, an area where I'm uh, by the grace of God, have have been blessed to be able to interface with pastors and leaders from many different uh, denominations. I mean, we're we're in uh, one country in Zambia where we we've interfaced with uh, as many as fifty three denominations. But the cool thing is, is without compromise, you know, being able to uh, maintain the clarity of the gospel. That's our passion, just like yours, mm-hmm. JB, with not not by works. You know our our passion is to keep the gospel as clear and simple as possible. Uh, the the fact that Christ died for our sins and rose again on the mm-hmm. third day is a um, is a truth that we will never negotiate away. You know, and, and the reason is is because we're sinners and mm-hmm. as human beings, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God didn't want to leave us lost and undone in in that condition. So. Um, Jesus Christ came um, in uh, in the form of a human, uh, was born of a virgin, uh, lived a perfect sinless life, um, and then laid down his life for our sins. Mm. He, he took our sins upon himself, mm. died the death that we deserved and, um, to, in order to provide us with eternal life. Mm. And the Bible says all who believe in him uh, we'll, we'll be saved. We'll mm. be, we'll have eternal life, like a free gift. Mm. Um, and so, uh, just, uh, thankful for the gospel. Thank, thankful for, we're not by works. And, and the fact that, um, not by works is not compromised on the gospel message. And I'm so thankful. Amen. It's so refreshing to hear, hear you articulate the gospel so easily. I mean, it's, it's certainly our passion. It's one of the things that I think connected us was the, the centrality of the gospel in our ministries. And, and, uh, a lot of times I have guests on to talk about other areas of expertise. Obviously, uh, Bible prophecy is a huge, uh, interest of, of not by works ministries. And, and I get to go on other shows and we have guests on this show and not everybody's as clear on the gospel as I would like. And so I find myself, uh, gently and, uh, clearly giving the gospel as often as I can, but 
boy, with you, it was just amazing. It just rolled right off your, your lips there. You can tell this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> you, you've given the gospel. But I want to go back to your time uh, when you and Wanda were in Venezuela. So were the kids born there or no? Yeah. So our oldest daughter was a year and a half old when we went to Venezuela. Mm. We had a son that was born right away after we were there. Um so they grew up together. Uh, we we kind of had about a ten year gap between the the first two and and the next uh, son that mm. came along, and mm. um, he was born um, while we were there in the tribe. Mm. Um, and uh, then his little sister was born after that, um, and then um, we ended up um, probably when our youngest daughter was probably three or, or so years old, we ended up coming back to the United States after having served there for nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we ended up um, after after that having uh, yet another son mm-hmm. who uh, who's now 22 years mm-hmm. old. So we've got, we run the gamut from 42 to 22. Five kids? Five kids wow. and mm-hmm. five grandchildren. Very wow. thankful to the Lord for, for each one of them. I actually uh, just uh, amazed that God's blessing. So you were you were with new tribes when you went over there to the Yanomamo tribe on the Amazon there. I've uh, had some connections with new tribe myself. I've actually spoken at the Waukesha campus uh, at least once, I remember. Uh, and I think very highly of that missions organization. Very clear on the gospel. I appreciate that. Uh, so w- when you went over there, you didn't know the language, right? Right. We, we did not. It's like, you know, some mission agencies, you, you go to language school and you learn it in a classroom somewhere before you go but you you went over there and just learned it on the fly right so yeah we what we did is we took a linguistics with new tribes by the way is now called ethnos 360 that's right yeah Uh, but um yes we went through their uh, language institute in camdington missouri okay and uh learned how to learn languages you know the 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 tools necessary to break down um unwritten uns you know uh unlearned previously learned language and so that was those were invaluable tools also we learned how to uh, break down and understand a culture um and uh so we the you know our first task of course was to get in and and learn the tribal language and that was not easy you know they they their their word for i don't understand you and i can't hear you are the are the same so <laughs> if you said i can't understand you they just shout at you, you know? <laughs> that's what that's what my kids do to me with my bad hearing <laughs> i can't understand you they just have to say it louder <laughs> but uh you know we were able to learn the language uh, i actually was told i would have difficulty learning languages uh when i was in language training and um got to the field and broke the record basically in learning their their language but it was just the motivation right after we moved into the village uh, a, um, a a woman passed away i heard screaming up at the village and ran to the village with my uh older partner a guy named cecil niece he was in his 60s at the time i was in my early 20s um we ran to the village and i remember walking in and seeing a, a young man named Adolfo. He was uh, grabbing the, the hammock that his mother was in, shaking it and saying, come back, come back. And and she was gone. But to see the desperation, see them build a, 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 a put logs down and burn the body of the mm-hmm. woman that lit 
uh, fire under me to want to know their mm. language so I could share the good news of Jesus Christ mm. with them. And, um, and it was, you know, through that and other things that God used to motivate me to, to, um, dig in, figure it out, mm. uh, learn, learn how to communicate and we were able to do so. Well, I, 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 uh, I'm fascinated by that season of your life, and I, I know I want to get to what what's going on right now through DM2 Ministries and the, the school, uh, but if we can kind of camp out in, in uh, the Amazon for a little bit longer, you've shared with me through the years some, some different stories from there, but why don't we, why don't you just give us what a day in the life is, was like? I mean, it, this was a pretty remote tribe, right? I mean, this wasn't just like any other big city this was you were roughing it right we were out in the heart of the amazon jungle it mm. was pretty much three hours in any direction you could get to civilization we were but it was three hours over virgin jungle mm. jv uh, and you know the the an average day would be you know getting up and um doing medical work usually uh, anywhere from two to six hours some days if, if there was a particular epidemic of you know flu or whatever um, sometimes malaria we would spend hours um, doing medical work and then on top of that going back learning uh, in the language learning stage it was pen and paper you know i i, I would take an eight and a half uh uh, inch, you know, sheet of paper folded up and and um, all day long write down words. And by the end of the day, it'd be soaking wet from sweat and take it apart and write out all of those words and into other notebooks. And it was back in the days before computers were mm -hmm. popular. Uh, I was one of the first people to bring a computer down uh, to the field, but it was, um, you know, it was it was just a, a lot of grunt work mm -hmm. so you, you wouldn't know if someone would come in with a snake bite or be a big fight up at the village you know they were um, some of the villages we were in were in warfare uh, still with mm. shooting each other with bows and arrows so mm. you could have a surprise attack from the enemies uh, there were you know they would hunt and fish and a lot of the days though I, I always tell people missions is 95 percent grunt work and five percent glory because mm. a lot of it was just day after day some of the most discouraging times in my life was you know learning the culture trying to crawl into the mind and the thinking of a of a what we would call a stone age tribe you know um trying to understand their worldview because we were going to be communicating the greatest message of all time with them, but we needed to know what they understood. How did the world begin according to their cultural understanding? Mm -hmm. How, you know, why did they do the things they did? I mean, there were, there were so many things that were puzzling to us uh, that, that took a long time to decipher and, and questions, uh, just questioning people to to get them to talk about why they why they did what they did and, and so yeah so it was you and wanda and the two and eventually three kids two two oldest and then 10 years later we had uh two more you oh, know two and, more well you know yeah. one and then a couple of years later Both the other on one. the field there yeah on the field yeah. so but you must have had a team there because you're not a doctor right so you when you right. talk about doing medical work there were others that were in your group that were working in this mission field right so yes and there were usually we had uh one other team partner you know another couple with us maybe sometimes a single missionary would be there a couple of single missionaries um 
they would the way uh ethnos 360 did was they tried to have three couples um or two couples in a cup in a unit of 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 uh you know a couple of singles or whatever to to complement the team but um because of furloughs and this that and the other you almost always had just two one either yourself by yourself or maybe with another mm-hmm. another couple so it was lonely at times it was difficult and yeah i'm not a doctor but i tell you i got good <laughs> at at the 10 endemic you know wow basic uh, uh sicknesses that were there there was always something to stop me um and we had two-way radios and we could call others and find out, you know, or, or we could get a plane to come in and take someone out to the hospital if it was a, a bad situation. Um, what but, were your living quarters like? So we, our house, our, our first house was um, was 10 walls on the outside. The, the outside walls were, were 10, like corrugated steel, hmm. uh, like a tin roof. And, and uh, a missionary that had been there before me had cut um, you know, two, two by fours. And, you know, so the house was basically, was actually made out of cedar. Um, so it, it, it wouldn't, the, it was because termites are so bad down there, but the, there were a few cedar trees. And so we made, our house was made out of cedar, but it was, it was be cold at night because we're at a uh, high altitude in the, in the headwaters of the Orinoco River, not the Amazon, but it, basically that's the opposite side of the Amazon. Uh, the, the hills just beyond us would would shed off into the Amazon and our side it went into the Orinoco on the Venezuelan side so yeah it was um it was uh, a rustic home you know insects whatever was flying around at night if there if there were bugs flying they would figure out a way to get through the tin and come in and drive you nuts uh, but um eventually I pulled the tin off and made clay um, adobe blocks and filled between the walls up between the um the studs and made it more solid and a little a little bit more secure mm-hmm. kept the snakes out mm-hmm. a little better and bugs um so that was yeah it was a so the time frame again what was the starting point 83 to uh, 97 well we left Venezuela in 2000 so were you there during the the regime change yeah yeah we 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 were there when uh, Chavez first got elected uh yeah. And um, it it was pretty uh, ominous, you know, that that something was uh, afoot, you know, that there would be some major changes. And within five years after we left, um, we left in 2000, and then in about 2005, he had ousted all missionaries from the jungle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there was that was one of the many CIA color coups they call them. Yeah. That's a discussion for another day. But uh, so. One of the stories, and I don't know if you're if you're free to share it. If not, we'll we'll move on to the next question. But you talked to me about some pretty VIP visitors that came to your little neck of the woods one time. Are you free to talk about that story? Or? Yeah, you know, we had um, we had an airplane land once out there that uh, a high powered guy gets off the plane and says, "Hey, we we have some guests that want to come out and vacation out." And they want to see that this area, and so turned out it was uh, David Rockefeller, his wife, um, uh, Gustavo Cisneros, from who was a very wealthy man. These ended up being when they finally came through about six months later. After they they flew in a bunch of times ahead of time, make sure everything was safe for them. 
Um, we had uh, billion. These were billionaires, bona fide billionaires that came in. Um, we ate better during that. I bet you did <laughs> than we had in a long time. And um, you know, the, uh, it was interesting though to to see um, got to uh, share the gospel with with these. Uh, they they were curious. What are you doing, you know, Americans? Why are you out here? And so they weren't there because they had an interest in the mission work of no. new tribes. They just were interested in sightseeing the region. And yeah. because they it was David Rockefeller, no less, and other billionaires, they could go anywhere. And you guys were were there, you know, and, and working with the people. So what an opportunity! So so we know then that the gospel at least on one occasion has been explicitly shared with david rockefeller how about yeah. that yeah and he asked me once you know what are you guys and i said well i guess we're i'm a bible church but i i guess it's similar to the baptist and and, and he said you know if anybody ever asked me what i am he said i, I would say i'm baptist too. <laughs> how about that wow wow so it, was, it was interesting i mean we we really got to i at the time, I was a little naive. I mean, I knew David Rockefeller was one of the wealthier men in the world and, and his family. Uh, but the others that came in, I, I didn't know them. One was a um, billionaire from Australia. I can't even, uh, sadly, I can't remember his name right now, but another from Europe. And uh, But we, we just got to sit around and, and share the gospel with them, tell them, you know, of course, they were very curious about the Yanomamo uh, mm -hmm. people and what they think, what how they think, what they believe. And they went and visited the villages and we we were able to guide them in, you know, and interpret for them. Um, and didn't one of them have some encounter with a witch doctor or something like that? Yeah. Uh, in fact, David Rockefeller, the, one of the witch doctors came up and they have a way of just kind of lock, locking their hands behind your head, like a fist together. And they, they'll, they'll kind of shake you really hard you know it's a greeting huh. and uh it was it was pretty shook it shook up and right. it was like what what's going on here you know and wow and said, oh, he's, he's greeting you you know in a typical yanomamo fashion about uh, but yeah it was huh. quite the contrast there from dirt poor you know guy couldn't read or write with the you know the wealthiest, the wealthiest elites wow elites in the world yeah <laughs> Well, it's a it's a good picture, uh, a good metaphor for the universality of the gospel, that we all are in the same boat, whether you're a remote, uncivilized tribe in the jungle or a billionaire in private jets. We all need Jesus, right? That's right. You know, that's right. Wow. So so you spent so what led you to to, to leave? Just feel like you, you know, done your work. Yeah, we, we had kind of um, I. I got the slates cleared for me to basically focus on discipleship. They, uh, I would, uh, the, you know, the leadership of the field recognized that I, I had, um, real abilities in that area, I guess. And I didn't even recognize it myself. Usually that's how it is with your spiritual gifting. Others recognize your gift better than you do often. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, so, I, you know, I was doing translation work and, and, uh, church planting and everything. And, uh, of course they freed me up to focus on that. And so I did, uh, focus more on that area toward the end of our ministry. I just felt, um, God was calling me, um, um, away. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, sometimes I, I look back and think, you know, 
Uh, did I make a mistake by leaving? I, I sometimes am remorseful about that. I'm one of the out of 8 billion people in the world. There's probably you can count on two hands the amount of people that are fluent in their language. Mm. And I would go back tomorrow mm. if, if there was a way to. And I, that's one of my you know bucket list dreams is to. And I did. I have gone back in 2014. I got to go back mm. and have a conference teaching mm. through the book of Galatians. Uh, with a, a group and haven't been able to get back into the village because of the, you know, the shutdown of the whole biosphere, as they call it out there, they, they turned it into what's called a biosphere. And so very few people are allowed to get in. It's a way to keep the tribal people that are there in a, in to me, someone in a, a zoo. That's, uh, that's what I feel like. It's you, you're allowed to go, you know, get it, move and change and move to another country if you want to, but don't, don't let the tribals, you know, huh. do that. They, they're, they've got to be maintained where they are. And that it's, it's a, I mean, on the one hand, I can understand they are easily taken advantage of, but on the other hand, um, let people quote, unquote, progress if they want to. Oh, if they don't sure. want to, let them, let, them, let them remain whatever. But don't, you become a a, a, a patron, uh, you know, somebody that that controls uh, their destiny without even really knowing what they want, you know. How many Yanomama were in that tri that village? In the village we were in, um, so the village kind of split apart while we were there in into uh family units and there were ended up being about 16 different small villages that eventually depending on how you know the, their tribes uh, the villages um the, the the individual villages grow by births and so if they have a lot of births and there's a lot of boys they become strong uh and then they'll overpower another village and hmm. you know it it it's hard to you know say what if it weren't for malaria there'd be a lot of them malaria is a indiscriminate killer hmm. um and uh, so there's you know that that aspect keeps them beaten down hmm. all of the time as a tribal group um uh, it just the lack of you know common that you get a an infection and it'll take their lives. Whereas we get an infection and go get an antibiotic and we're well, you know, so JB, it's a, it's a different world in that way. So they split into 16 little villages of anywhere from say 20 to 50 people. Okay. Uh, so there were about 600, um, more or less in the mm -hmm. village there. Uh, when the, when the mission first went in, uh, you know, years before that because there had been missionaries that had come through brazil mm -hmm. into they realized they were in venezuela and left and then contacted what was new tribes or ethnos back in those days 360 and asked them to send missionaries in mm -hmm. uh but um originally there was probably about 100 people and they, over the course of 20 25 years they've grown mm -hmm. exponentially mm -hmm. due to medicine and health care that um you know that the mission provided mm -hmm. um but uh, since then, since I, we've left, they've had a big major war, and which is very common among mm -hmm. them, um, especially because they often will have multiple wives. Mm -hmm. And when you have more than one wife, apparently you love one of them more than the other. That uh, <laughs> seems to be the case. And so the, the one you love more, you feed her kids better. Mm -hmm. Makes jealousy. 
Oh, wow. Typically, a Yanomamo village will split between half brothers, huh. where they um, there's just animosity among them, and eventually, if they if there's a, a fight, it usually has to do in a lot of times in that way where they're where they're uh, split apart and create a new village. So villages are often a day, two days walk from each other, related tightly, and yet. Uh, because of warfare, hate each oh. other. It, so it creates that. I mean, it, invariably, there's always a woman at the uh, a, a woman that's being fought over typically. And I'm, I'm maybe that's the point of the spear. There's uh, you know there are always um, there's always the the idea that someone's doing witchcraft against me or you know casting a spell on me or something like that and. So if someone gets sick and they, they will find uh, a village to blame or a cause and usually has to do with the supernatural, but it, but it's someone causing it. Um, mm -hmm. And, and so that it keeps a lot of uh, animosities between villages. Did you sense, I'm sure you did a lot of spiritual warfare when, when you were there because of the presence of the witch doctors and, Yes. Um, one of the things that was very clear was that the more we taught the word of God, the less that was apparent. Hmm. Um, the uh, in villages where there's no knowledge of the truth, the 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 supernatural to me is a lot more apparent. Hmm. It seems like it goes in hiding, so to speak, or the enemy uh, uh, would would. Obscure that, maybe yeah. even leave. Yeah, the, you know, the word of God causes the enemy to flee, right? That's exactly. Yeah. Right. Huh. So you could definitely see that. Um, um, some of our best listeners, JB, were were the witch doctors. Huh. They they were if if there was a row, you know, there are no benches, or we we didn't create that that type of you know of church or whatever. But they would be the closest sitting to you to learn, huh. uh, and I think because they knew. Huh. You know, they they know there's a spiritual component to to the world. Huh. They know, and obviously through their witchcraft, there there something's going on there. Yeah. There's enough reality. I know some of it. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. The Bible says clearly um, that uh, you know in in Galatians five six uh, five nineteen to twenty one, where it talks about the the works of the flesh part of that is witchcraft so you can do witchcraft without mm -hmm. that spiritual component but it invites the enemy i believe it, oh yeah it's it an works, opening it's an works together giving yeah. place to the devil yeah i mean we see in the book of acts even people trying to fake and feign that type of, of false magic but boy it, it you know it's real you when, open up yeah. a, a can of worms you know and yeah. i learned long ago to never try to convince them that it isn't true because mm. it is true mm -hmm. uh, and you can't convince someone if if they're out a, a little boys with his dad and there's a you know a bunch of bugs flying in a swarm or something and he says to his son squat down get down there's those are the spirits and so mm. the kid sees his dad afraid so he's you know and mm. that you try to convince that kid that there's no spirits oh yeah you know he he's yeah. he's it's in his blood it's in wow. his dna and and they man i'm there there's things that yeah yeah it's very interesting that i mean because because i 
I thought the same thing, just theologically, having never experienced anything like that, that those that are involved in those type of evil spirits, they are more likely to recognize the power of the spiritual realm, whereas most Christians who should know better, because we've been redeemed from the penalty of sin, we've been saved, and yet we don't have a, re a realization or recognition of the the presence of the spiritual realm. And that, that's been a big part of what we've been trying to wake people up to the last 17 years ourselves is just that there is a cosmic battle going on. It's seldom about what you can see and feel and touch. There's there's just a, a, a greater spiritual battle taking place. But um, but talk to us now. I, I'd love to talk some more sometime. We'll have to have you back on and just hear some more stories because I could talk about this all day. But uh, in the remaining time, I'd love to hear more about what, what you're doing now because I am so impressed with the work that you've been doing with uh, DM2, Disciple Makers Multiplied is the umbrella ministry. But then you've got this school uh, and you know, we, we, we also know that you're praying about potentially branching out. In fact, uh, as you tell the story, we'll just let our listeners know that the Lord's put it on Brett's heart to potentially open up a new outpost or beachhead for their ministry in Canada. So if anybody has any connections there and catches the vision that Brett's uh, going to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Just reach out to us and we'll put you in touch with it. But tell us a little bit about the school. So, yeah, the uh, JB back in uh, when we started uh, DM2 or Disciple Makers Multiply back in uh, 2010, 2011, um, right after we, we began to train pastors and leaders in the majority world, we were noticing young people, teenagers, even as young as eight years old, children as young as eight years old, they would come with their parents, sit through eight, 10 hour days for five days, and and not flinch especially if they had a workbook with them you know to 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 go through along with their parents and that really grabbed our attention and um back in uh i think it was 2012 2013 we did a, a conference out in spokane washington a young lady came um uh, her father brought her up to the podium after I finished the last session. And, and he, he said, my daughter has a question for you. And I said, sure. Yeah, go ahead. And she said, if I were to bring youth together, would you, would you guys come and teach youth? <laughs> and I said, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you get the kids together, we'll bring the team. And so that, that first conference happened uh, through uh, Rachel Musser um, um, out in um in Olympia, Washington, uh, kind of in the least likely place to start, a, you know, something in, in America, you would think. And uh, we, we had our first conference. It was successful. It wasn't, it wasn't well attended, but it was successful. And from there, we had another one a year later in Texas. And um, the, the second time around, uh, I had brought in pastors and leaders to teach that conference. And that the second time around, I, I just basically said, we'll do a conference. When when I was approached by young people, I said, but we're going to do it under two conditions. One is no fun, straight mm -hmm. Bible. Mm -hmm. And two is it's going to be taught by young adults. Mm -hmm. And so that was the start of something really remarkable, mm -hmm. J.B. We, we've done it every summer since then. We could fill, last year we did 10 different locations in in probably about six different states in the united states um against all logic it's mm -hmm. like we're walking on water in a sense with this program because 
every youth director we talk to says, oh, you don't know. Our kids could never do that. Yeah, <laughs> our kids could never. <laughs> and they can, JV. Yeah. We, we've seen it over and over. It's the word of God taught by young adults at a level that's seminary, basically <laughs> level. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we train the teachers, uh, we, they're, they're, and there's uh, adults with them in case they get off in the toolies and pull them back, but it's all part of their discipleship training. But then the, the young adults that come are, it's, bench, it's benchmarking for their, for their faith. They, they oh, yeah. come away from that, just um, many of them ready to learn more, to grow churches have seen we've seen revival basically in in youth groups where where they've taken this to heart so uh you know we we're going to be in several different churches this summer and uh, super excited about it um and um and what do you and you're teaching them basically kind of a narrative overview of God's plan of the ages yeah. and redemptive plan in particular and salvation the clarity of the gospel but it's not just about training them to be evangelists you're teaching them the word of god right yeah so after you know we did this for several years and then we had the magic year of 2019 with COVID, <laughs> we couldn't travel overseas so uh we decided uh something that we, we um, that was a little novel for us as a ministry we had been training pastors and leaders in the majority world and we decided hey let's uh Let's open up and start training young adults here in America. If we can't go overseas, we'll start here. And so we started a program called 3D TC Training Center, 3D Training Center. So it's disciple, develop, and disperse. That's the three Ds. It's the idea of, of uh, come unto me, disciple. I will make you. That's the develop. And fishers of men. That's the dispersion mm -hmm. idea. It's just a simple concept, but it's, it fits with our disciple makers multiplied um, motto uh, concept. And so what we've done is it's it's the, probably the most intensive uh, Bible training for young adults. It's nine months of, you know, they can't go out and get jobs. So we keep the price we have, you know, some donors that help us keep the keep subsidized here. But. Uh, we keep the price as low as possible so they don't have to go looking for a job. They're in class eight hours a day and then two or three hours at night of study. Um, they, um, basically, we, we teach as a modular type of format where we come in on like you did with, with your coming in here to teach soteriology. They start on Monday, end on Friday, eight hours a day. Um, they're drinking out of a fire hydrant, so to speak, you know, but they have a, a your book in this case, your uh, uh, getting the gospel wrong book, which is so, you know, quintessential in, in, in regard to the gospel. Um, they're, they're reading that they're, they're doing quizzes each night, simple quizzes, but nonetheless, to kind of, Hey, what, what did I learn today? Can I, can I re regurgitate what I've actually learned? And then, by the end of the week, they'll have a final exam and a paper to write. Um, and then once this is done, we move on to the next. You know, after Thanksgiving, they'll be back or, you know, later on uh, for first, second, third John and, and biblical archaeology and angelology. <laughs> so we have um, 
you know, just a, a, a series, a domino of different courses I'll go through for nine months. This is our, we have two years. So the one come for one year, they'll get an associates. They get 60 credit hours by the end of the year. And that's 40 hours of applied learning for credit hours. So it's nothing cheapened, you know, it's in it. The cool thing about it is face to face, the professors are right in the classroom with us. They, we, it, you know, they get firsthand. If you're busy, I'm, you know, they'll come to me. If I'm busy, they'll go to you. You know, the next person, whatever we, uh, and they get their questions answered, um, and we get to watch them grow. We get to kind of rub a knot on their head when they, uh, you know, get out of line or whatever, <laughs> as a, a typical. 18, 19, 20 year old does, you know, but it, it's, it's a very controlled and a, and a wonderful environment. God's given us a great campus here for housing. Um, and then we were interfaced with Beaumont Bible Church. That's where our classroom is. Uh, so, um, the model we have, JB, can fit in any church of, you know, if, if, uh, in a basic, virtually in the world, if, if it's, uh, has a uh, auditorium mm -hmm. church building you know you could you could replicate our, our yeah so you're in beaumont texas your 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 campus is actually in silsby right which is a bedroom community of beaumont and uh the church is in beaumont that's where the classes are held it's modular the students stay together for the whole nine months and then you have a second year yeah so some students stick around to go yeah. to get their bachelor's so you okay. get this is the only school that i know of you can get a bachelor's in bible in two years yeah we, we've got um you know the from the state of texas the permission to give the degree we're, we're not going the accreditation route um so that we can focus strictly on bible yes. without the liberal arts uh, you know addition so they're they are getting bible um like you can't compare. oh yeah yeah no i mean i believe me i just am finishing up this one week here and I, it's exhausting for me and i love to teach but uh i tell you what it's and just seeing the reaction of the students seeing the interaction seeing the questions that they ask i mean they're it's priceless i mean it is it is you're doing such a, a great uh a great thing and um and uh so what do some of these students then do do they just do any of them go on the mission field? Do they go just do life, but they've got a foundational grounding in the word of God? What are some of the things they do? So originally our original purpose was gap year. Mm -hmm. You know, we thought, okay, we'll try to, we'll try to sneak it in uh, between high school and, and college. Um, but um, what we've realized is now we're going to go, we want these guys that they graduate from here. If they want to go to, um, you know, to seminary, they'll have their bachelor's in their pocket uh, to be able to go on. Um, but the idea is to get them involved. We, we want and we believe we're we're working for tomorrow, not today. Uh, so we're we may be two to five years out with some of these guys because if they go from here to college, which we've had most of them, the ones that have left have gone on uh, to, uh, you know, learn computer graphics or whatever engineering, engineering. Or um and um so that's the original design was that to to give them a basis any i wish all of my children would my youngest has gone through the program but i wish all of my children would have had this available to them it, it's just so seminal mm -hmm. so foundational for the rest of their life it's one year for the rest of your life basically yeah. and 
or two years if you if a, if a person really wants to go even deeper and um and in the process then we we have uh kids that could go and do a you know a children's church mm-hmm. or assistant pastor or you know hopefully some of them will go on into missions i i really have a dream of a third year down the road but to be on the mission field wow where they could actually go through their bible go there and learn kind of the stuff i did learn with ethnos 360 that type of uh um you know training to get them ready to go into a if, if god led them into mm-hmm. the final frontier travel groups are the final frontier. that's it no uh, doubt yeah i mean and it's a pretty uh, easy to replicate model. The model is is that. So you need a local church that will partner with you that can kind of help uh, just own the vision and work with you, help with you know maybe providing a classroom or something. And uh, and right now, lately, uh, I mean, you don't slow down. You you you've done so many amazing things for the Lord and uh, in in your ministry, and you're just getting started. It almost seems like so. It sounds like the Lord's put on your heart to maybe try to replicate another 3DTC center in Canada. Yes. So if anybody listening has connections up in Canada, I know we've got a lot of listeners in Canada, uh, reach out to Not By Works, we'll connect you. But how can they learn more about the ministry? 3DTC.org, right? That's correct, JB. Yep. DM2USA is our kind of the parent. Uh, and DM2 is still, I mean, we just had a team come back from uh, Cameroon and mm. taught over a hundred pastors. Wow. Um, we've, uh, we, I just came back from Bolivia and did two weeks of, of teaching. Uh, I actually taught uh, from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., five days straight teaching the book of the books of first Peter and second Peter in those days. And it was, uh, you know, again, it, it just amazing to watch a hundred leaders, you know, come, and I threw that down. I mean, I, I told them about a month ago that I was able to 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 slot that time, and they brought you know the wow. people together that fast. Um, so yeah, it's 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 um so that's dm2usa.org. That's our parent organization, and then 3dtc.org is the school. So you know, if you've got a, a grandchild, you know, if one of your listeners has a grandchild or a son or daughter. Um, that is that they want to see learn the word of God at least direct them over there and show them yeah. what's available um I mean I we we are getting constant uh you know interaction with people who want to come um and so I I'm not going to say that we have unlimited space we have probably um we could have probably 16. Uh, gals and 16 guys is what we have beds for right now. Um, but, um, it'd be best. Our idea is, hey, let's, let's, let's build this one up and let's go then across the United States to another place. We want to kind of fly under the radar with, with the world the way it is, uh, keep it on the level of a local church. Um, the, the blessing that has been to Beaumont Bible Church is hard to describe. Um, the you know the the energy that that having young adults come mm-hmm. into a a graying converse, uh, congregation and kind of bringing inter- interjecting that life there there's there's messiness that comes with that as well but the blessing far outweighs the, the you know the the drawbacks and 
hey, if we're gonna reach the next generation, we've got to start yesterday. Oh yeah, maybe that's it's. Yeah, I'm Pastor Mark Land there at Beaumont Bible. I know he loves you know the connection there, and I got the chance to speak there Wednesday night, the, the week that I was on your campus, and uh, just a fantastic church and. You're right. It's 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 the biblical model, right? You know, Second Timothy two two. You know, teach people to teach others, and and these are the young people that we want to capture. If the Lord tarries is coming, and we we find ourselves still here fifty years ago, fifty years from now, if it's not for ministries like yours, there would probably be hardly anybody left out there to teach the word because we're not getting any younger, and uh, you know the generations behind us are just. It's so hard to reach them with the wokeism, with the compulsory government schooling, with the the gender surrender movement. So many things happening that are a full out attacks uh, spiritually on the minds of our young people. We need to build into young people's lives with the Word of God. So, so folks, uh, keep uh, DM two in your prayers. Uh, and Brett Nasworth, his wife Wanda, and their t- their whole team. Uh, check them out at dm2usa.org or 3dtc.org. And uh, we'd love to have you back on again sometime and just kind of get an update. And I th- I thank you for the privilege of letting me come in and, and do a very small part in the grand scheme of your ministry uh, building into these kids. And it was quite a blessing for me. So Thank you, JB, for coming, Wendy, for letting you take out time out of her life and uh and uh plum creek um bible chapel uh, uh plum creek chapel check plum plum creek chapel mm-hmm. letting you be free to come and and bless us for a week and so we're very very thankful well my pleasure well thanks for joining us and folks thanks for listening uh uh, you know, God's doing some amazing things in this world, and what a privilege it is for us to get to share some of those stories uh, with you and with the MBW ministry. Uh, if we can ever help, certainly reach out to us at notbyworks.org, and uh, we hope you'll tune in again uh, the next time. And as always, come see us at Plum Creek Chapel. We'd love to have you worship with us uh, there at the church. So God bless everyone. Thanks again for listening.